Welcome to Confidently Curious. I'm Amanda. And I'm Mia Rose. And we are so excited for you to join our live chat today. Welcome back to Confidently Curious. I am Amanda and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Mia Rose. Mia, so happy to see you. I'm so grateful to be here with you and to chat with you. It's the highlight of my week always. Oh, I know. And I am really looking forward to chatting about our guest this week and this week's episode. Um, we have an amazing therapist um, that is going to be our guest for this week's episode. And just thinking back to that conversation, it was yeah. so incredible and really like insightful tips and tricks as far as finding a therapist and Mm -hmm. you know kind of breaking down the stigma around therapy so it was very applicable and for two super fans of therapy I think you and I were so eager to have a real life therapist come talk to us I know you know, peek behind the window a little bit. And it was really nice because I took so many things away and listening back to it was just as inspiring as the first time. So I'm really excited for everyone to listen to it and give feedback. And if you have not seen a therapist or if you're not in therapy, highly encourage you to check it out. Consider it if it is available to you and an option. Absolutely. 10 out of 10 would recommend. For sure. Absolutely. And, you know, we always take time to have these life updates and it's just Crazy timing with this week's episode, um, the update I have for everyone, but um, I've talked about my therapist a few times and what a great gift she has been in my life. Mm-hmm. And so last week, um, she, we had some messaging going back and forth, some correspondence, and she let me know that she has to leave the country. Oh my gosh. And is no longer going to be my therapist. (gasps) And I was just so heartbroken. Um, She was here on a working visa. And uh, yeah, her office wasn't able to come through with uh, sponsoring her visa. And she has to leave. So I'm so sorry. I know. And I'm so sad. You know, Ugh. she's really hoping that she can work it out and find a way to come back and work here because she just said she loves it so much and obviously loves her clients. Mm-hmm. But I was just shocked and, yeah. you know, just heartbroken that, you know, she was in this position and, yeah. um, yeah. I was in a similar position when I lived in England. I yes. was so in love with the culture, with the environment, with the friends, with the working experience. Yes. And when the visa fell through oh. multiple times, it's 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 shattering. It, you yeah. just don't understand that I have a lot of friends who are international students that came to yeah. America and are trying to get a working visa here. It is one of the most challenging endeavors you can embark on. Mm, I really hope you guys can work it out where she can I be know. remotely. Oh, I know. Goodness. I know. Just heartbreaking. So, you know, I will keep you posted. Please do. Know, to find another therapist like her right away, I think is going to be it's really tough. hard. And it's yeah. also like, I don't want to replace her. But um, 
I was even thinking about our guest Shannon. I'm like, maybe I should see Shannon. Yeah. She's so fantastic. She's wonderful. <laughs> I think about finding the right fit and how important it is. And we talk a little yeah. bit about this in the episode of you're dating around. And I definitely yes. dated therapists to find the right one. Absolutely. And when you have that level of trust, it's so mm-hmm. hard to feel like you have to start over again. But I think I know. something to say of like, it's an experience that you can take with you and a therapist may not replace each other, but they could be right. adding value in a different way. Absolutely. I know. And that's how I have to think about it. You know, maybe seeking different modality or something mm-hmm. like that, you know, at least for the time being while, um, yeah, this one still hurts. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. My, my therapist, I tell her every session, I'm like, I give you so many shout outs, like, oh, but it's like promo that goes nowhere because I can't like <laughs> share her information. Yeah, um, I know. But, um, no, she's wonderful. And the piece of advice that she gave me last session, which I would love to share is, this concept of being married to a narrative. Mm-hmm. I had certain qualities that I really glued my own identity to. Yes. And I've been holding on to them and I am almost fearful of changing or setting boundaries because I don't want to lose these titles that I've given myself. So for example, I grew up hearing that I was sweet and nice. And I feel yes. like as I get older and I'm setting boundaries or I'm sticking up for myself or advocating for what I want. I'm like, I don't feel so sweet and nice anymore. And she Mm -hmm. goes, do you want to be sweet and nice or do you want to be kind and authentic? And that shocked me. So I think that that's something that really resonates with me and hopefully other listeners that we hold on to belief systems about ourselves. But when we reframe it, maybe it's just a process of growing pains, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. And it's something I've been thinking about a lot the last couple of years. Um, You know, and I think – reflecting on how we even have these narratives from childhood. Oh yeah. Um, that we carry around in our adulthood that might not even be true anymore. Like totally just an example. One of mine was that I'm not creative. Mm, wow. You know, I, I know. That's and I shocking like, that you held on to that one. I know. And you know, I think it comes from, you know, in school there were like kids that were good at singing and did instruments and drawing and like no, I don't have those skills per se, maybe, but um I'm definitely creative in other ways. Totally. But even up until a couple years ago, that was something that I would say. Mm. Like I'm just not a creative person, I'm not creative, I'm not creative. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, wait, this is just not true. And I'm not really carrying this around from elementary school. Totally. You know, and that's just one example. And I think that we feed into it. We do. And we, we do evidence to support that claim for sure. And it's another thing too, that I think about in terms of health mm-hmm. that I'm playing around with right now around like eating habits. So mm. for a long time I was a vegetarian and then mm-hmm. I'm a pescatarian. So I didn't, you know, I'd only eat seafood and this is something like for 12 years, a really long time. But now I'm kind of finding that these labels I put on myself, like whether it's I'm not drinking during this time or mm-hmm. I'm not, eat, I don't eat meat. Um, these labels, they feel heavier to me as I'm getting older. Whereas yeah. when I was younger in my early 20s, like it was something that made me feel like a part of something or um, – mm-hmm gave me like an identity and now I'm like I don't need to say I don't eat meat um and in fact it makes me feel really confined that's so interesting Mm. 
I wonder if it's coming with your sense of understanding yourself a little bit better and a sense of worth and confidence that I don't need to hide behind a label or defend my decisions. Like I definitely relate to that of like, let me explain to everyone why I'm holding on to this label. Right. And now you're like, I don't have the time or the energy to justify right. my decision. If I want to eat meat, I'm eating meat. If I don't want to eat meat, I'm not eating exactly. meat. Exactly. Who needs to know? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So really interesting thing to think about. And yeah. Um, yeah, you know, for our listeners too, like what labels do you attach to yourself? And mm are they helpful? Yeah. <laughs> you know, are they applicable anymore? And are they helpful to you? Are they serving you? Exactly. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, I think for both of us, our therapists have just been such great sources of information and totally. inspiration for these conversations. And yeah. I'm so excited for everyone to listen to our episode today with Shannon. We're so grateful. Please enjoy. And as always, like, comment, share, give feedback. If you have ideas for topics or themes or guests, we love to hear it all. Thank you so much for all of your support and enjoy. Hi, friends. Welcome back to Confidently Curious. I am so excited for today's episode. I am joined with my lovely co-host, Amanda, and the beautiful Shannon. (laughs) Welcome, both of you. So excited to chat with you. I'm so hyped. Thanks for having me. Of course. for coming on today. So excited to talk to you. So Shannon is a psychotherapist for adolescents, couples, and adult women in Atlanta, Georgia. And has so many areas of expertise, including anxiety, grief and loss, boundary setting, women's issues, family relationships, career, personal development, so many things. Um, Oh my gosh, I could pick your brain about all of these issues and we could be here for hours. But before we dive into certain areas of expertise, I'd love to simply define what a psychotherapist is for those of us, including myself, who may not understand the difference between a psychotherapist and a therapist? Yeah, that's a good question. It's all kind of elusive. I feel um, I feel like there's like the term counselor and there's the term therapist. I feel like they all kind of do the same thing. Um, I think what's important to understand about being a psychotherapist is like the study of, you know, the mind and it with in addition to like, we don't tell you what to do. I feel like right. a lot of like, you know, counselor counselors or like life coaches are going to be like telling you what to do. Whereas with a therapist, we are more um, guiding you, right? We're, we're letting, especially me, I'm, I, I take on a narrative perspective. And so I am really passionate about like my client being the expert of their life and their expert of their story. And so mm-hmm. um it's especially important for me to make that distinction because I know that you know about your life more than I know about your life. Mm -hmm. And so you can tell me all about it. We can talk about it. We can, you know, challenge some of the beliefs that you've beliefs and like rules that you've come up with yourself. But at the end of the day, you're the expert of your life. And I think that that's a really important distinction um, that makes a psychotherapist therapist. That's so interesting. That reminds me a lot of what Amanda and I do, which is health coaching, right? 
as health coaches, one of my favorite aspects of it is I don't know all the answers. I can be an avid listener, a practitioner. I can read all the books, but at right. the end of the day, you know your body better than we do. And we take a bio-individual approach to each of our clients or members. And it mm-hmm. sounds very similar to you where you ask really intriguing questions, these high mileage questions in order to generate a conversation where the client themselves can come to terms with solutions. Mm -hmm. Um, So it sounds like a really supportive, comforting environment rather than here's your to-do list, go for it. Yes, absolutely. Especially what you say about being, that's like, I joke that that's like my biggest flex for therapy is my relationship with my client. I feel like if you don't have a good, safe, encouraging relationship with your client or with your therapist, um, you're not going to get anything done. You're not going to feel comfortable saying anything. You're not going to, you know, take their, you know, take their challenges. Um, You're not going to do anything. And so I think that's like the most important part for me is the therapeutic relationship that I have with my clients for sure. That's amazing. And how do you build that? I'm sure it's a very complex process but how do you yeah. build therapeutic relationship and that that real comfort with all the clients that you see yeah that's a good question I think it's time it's just a lot of time and so yeah. I get parents who will be like kind of frustrated because they're like we're not seeing any growth yet and I'm like well I'm a complete stranger to this person right and so <laughs> I'm gonna need more than like two weeks with them, <laughs> yeah. with them to tell me their deep darkest secrets so Sure. Um, I think a lot of time and a lot of honesty, right? So if there's an awkward silence or I feel like they're telling me only a little bit of the story, I am very big on like calling them out for that. So, you know, call, calling out the uncomfortability in the room mm-hmm. is really important to me. So if I see them, you know, they get really tense when I ask them a question, I'm going to call that out. I'm going to be like, I see that you just got really tense with that. Or I see... Yeah that kind of made you uncomfortable, or I think you're tearing up, right? So calling it out in the room um, kind of sets the tone for what that relationship is going to function as. Um, so I think that that's a good way to do that. And I use a lot of humor. Um, if we have a big lull, like I've definitely been like, show me a TikTok that you were like, oh my gosh, that's so me this week and going mm-hmm. from there and things like that. Cause I do work with a lot of like, 15, 16 year olds. Um, and that's where the world is. So I think totally. it's a lot of meeting them where they're at. Yes. Um, and just time being patient yeah. with it. And if you feel like it's not the right fit, I think mm. you, we have like a, a consultation a lot of times beforehand. And, and if I feel like it's not the right fit or our personalities don't mesh, then I'm so okay with being like, I think that this person might be better suited for you. So um, honestly, right off the bat like that, I think is really important too. You said so many things that I want to touch on, (laughs) but the right fit, I think that's incredibly important and not have your ego involved, right? I know that I'm not everyone's cup of tea and it doesn't need to be personal. Right. You have the best support possible. And -and so-and-so may have a slightly more advanced expertise in this particular field, or if that's really what you're looking for, this is really what I am comfortable working with. And mm-hmm. it can have that conversation. I know that I patients before I found the right fit for me at um, yeah. therapy. 
And I told him my therapist was like, I dated around. Like I absolutely. And it can be a little bit like dating when you're searching and when you're looking. Would you have any advice for someone who is in that process of looking for a therapist, a counselor, a coach of some sort? How can they find the best fit for them? Yeah, um, I, you know, going to someone who's been in therapy might be a good first start, right? Like if they were like, you know, I've been working with this practice, there might be other practitioners in that practice mm-hmm. that have the same kind of vibe, you know, and so that's a good first one off. Um, I think that pages like Psychology Today and Therapist Den mm-hmm. or Therapy Den um, those can be good resources too. Honestly, you just have to like start <laughs> yeah, and um, just have to like make a call and start and see what you liked and what you didn't like. Um, you know, a lot of people, I'll, I'll have consultations where they'll come in. They'll be like, I see that you do solution focus and narrative therapy and this, this, and I'm like, what? <laughs> and so they've like done all their research, which is fine. But at the end of the day, like I, I'm not bound by the, you know, modality that I use, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I, not that I discourage people to look into like modalities. I think that's a great way to do it also, but understanding that just because a therapist is, you know, a CBT therapist does not mean that they can only be doing that. And so I think the best way to do it is to find someone who you trust, who's been in therapy, look around their practice, um, ask, you know, you know, go to psychology today and just start asking questions and having a consult. Most therapists will do a 15 minute consult and just see if you like them. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting because I, I was going to ask you the same question that Mia just did. Right. (laughs) So many friends, like I, I consider finding a therapist like dating Mm-hmm. And yeah. sometimes you're lucky and like the first one you meet is like a good fit for you, but sometimes it's not like that at all. And yeah. um, I, I've been talking about this because I've recently found a therapist whom I adore and I was very lucky that I found her kind of like on the first try. But, um, you know, I've been very vocal with my friend group and my circle about therapy and how beneficial it's been for me. And what I hear a lot of the time is that people will say, oh, I went to one person once and they were horrible or they were, (laughs) didn't make me feel good or they talked down to me or whatever it was. And then they write off therapy for years or maybe their whole life. Do you find that a lot? Like with people coming to you or just talking about your profession um, that people have, either that that stigma or kind of this like barrier if they have seen a therapist previously that just wasn't a good fit yeah definitely I feel like I've had clients come like my clients be like my first therapist was so like you know yada 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 um and so I've definitely experienced that it always breaks my heart a little bit because I'm like dang but I always make sure to you know give them do props for trying again because it is hard as hell to come back and be like you know what I'm gonna do it again and maybe that person wasn't the right fit um yeah that's definitely happened it's it's definitely challenging I feel like I don't know I feel like 
when you have the wrong one first, a lot of time, and this could be an assumption, but I think a lot of times it's, I needed a therapist. So I found the first one that I could. And then I was like in crisis mode when I found them yeah. and then I spilled it all out and it was terrible and yeah. you know, closed mm-hmm. off again. And so mm-hmm. I yeah. think, I think that could be part of it. I think that you go into it when you're like in super crisis mode and then you don't really have time to shop around. Um, so that could be part of it, I think, sometimes. I love what you said about the crisis mode because I think that historically <clears throat> there's a stigma around therapy. You go to therapy when you're at rock bottom, when it's yeah. the worst case scenario and it's not seen so much as preventative or um, a supplement or another alternative. And mm-hmm. I would love to hear your perspective of who needs therapy, right? Is it the person who is at the rock bottom or can you go a little bit earlier? And yes. how can you, of course, I, I'm in the same boat as you. Amanda Everyone should go to therapy. Yeah, we're like cheerleaders of therapy. But how can we start to have the conversation of like, oh yeah, I'm going to therapy. Oh no, I don't worry. Like I'm stable, but I think it's nice to have someone check me mentally or do a workout for my brain. There's so many different metaphors to use, but yeah, I'd um, yeah, love to hear your thoughts about that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that what we're doing right now and what you guys have both said about just like talking about therapy, right. I think is the first step to that. Um, not being like, I have a meeting at 4 PM and being a loose that, <laughs> but being like, I have therapy at 4 PM. Like it's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, I think that that's definitely the first step about, um, quote destigmatizing it mm-hmm. um I think also the people I have a lot of clients right now who come in you know they've been experiencing a lot of anxiety lately or they've just not been feeling right yeah. right you know when you feel okay you know when you feel right and if you feel less than that might be a good indication that you need to like talk it through right because yes. um I have a lot of clients who come in when they don't feel great and then they, then they start to feel better, but they hold on just for like almost like maintenance. And I kind of love those clients because we get to do more of the introspective work and the, um, you know, what did you do well today kind of stuff, um, mm-hmm. which I really like. So I feel like everyone can be in therapy <laughs> for <laughs> sure. Um, I, I think I want to help clients like get their life right. You know what I mean? Like everyone yeah. wants to do it. Right. And I just want to be able to wait with people until they are able to do that and just kind of walk alongside them doing that. Mm -hmm. A therapist is also a very different kind of person in your life. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just not, I'm not a friend, right. I'm not an authority figure. I'm not um, a coach, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm your therapist. And so what I'm going to do is going to be very, very different than what a friend does. And I Mm -hmm. think that that's probably the biggest misconception is that we're just like a glorified friend or we're mm-hmm. um we're here to like challenge you so much or um like get deep into your trauma right off the bat and that's just not the case and mm-hmm. so yeah. a lot of times people will come into therapy because they're having work anxiety and then we you know we we go solution focused for that off the bat and we um you know, like talk through those and what can we do about that? And then we get deeper and deeper and deeper. And that's like part of building rapport and that's part of exploring mm-hmm. and stuff. So yeah. I don't know if that answers your question. No, that but... was amazing. <laughs> that was so helpful. Thank you. It's really interesting um, because you 
already kind of answered another question I had for you, which were some of those other stigmas that you hear or think exist in the world of therapy. Um, and it's interesting as someone who has seen multiple therapists and been in therapy on and off for years. Um, I would love to like know what you notice as far as trends for when people come to you and how long they stay in therapy. It's just, I'm thinking about it because what you said really resonates as far as the maintenance or walking alongside your, your clients when they're on their life path. And I think that's so beautiful. And I think it really highlights like the true nature of therapy instead of what maybe our stigmatized idea of therapy is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like my job is not to be there for you for the rest of your life. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I would love to, so like, that's like the way that it works for, for my clients as, as um, historically has been, they come in when they feel really low or really anxious that's usually what it is or there's a big transition happening mm. um and something and they feel like they have a lot to say but they don't have a specific person that they're telling yeah. right and so that's kind of where I come in and then um mm. we we talk through that first that first layer right so maybe the first layer is communication we yeah. talk through here like certain skills for communication and once they have that kind of under control because that's the first like pressing issue Mm. and then we kind of delve them a little bit deeper to okay well where did that come from right what does that look like in the past where does that come from we talk through that and that's that takes however long um and then they get better and getting better is the is the point right and so I don't want to have clients for five years I that I feel like that's not my modality at least right I'm kind of I want to you know I want to be a resource to you if you ever need to come back right you just saying like mm-hmm. in and out of therapy I think that's great um to know that you have that support but for me personally like I like to walk alongside and then kind of give you the reins right because mm-hmm. you've already had the reins this whole time you know you're the expert of your story you know what's going on more than I know what's going on mm-hmm. um, so I can call it out to you and I can guide you through it but I want my clients to be able to kind of do their own thing after me I don't want them to be reliant on therapy yeah. Amazing. Absolutely. yeah no that really resonates that's that's <clears throat> that's typically how I like to look at it as well yeah. I would love to talk about this call-out culture. I think we are in a society a lot of mm. times on social media in a cancel culture, and I don't think that's a very productive fashion for growth. I think accountability is important. I think forgiveness is important. Sure. Um, and I think calling out, like you mentioned in session, can destigmatize some of the behaviors that we might have and bring sure. to light. How can we you know, implement a call out culture rather than a cancel culture in our own daily lives, right? Like if we see a behavior from a loved one, from a colleague, from an authoritarian figure that we don't agree with or it violates one of our boundaries, is there helpful tips and tricks that we could implement to call it out so that we are protecting our value system, our belief system without canceling them and making them feel horrified or shameful or, you know, less than? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, it's a loaded question. (laughs) Um, Yeah, tips and tricks. I think a really good one is to, um, okay, I have a couple. So I think 
the first really good one is to not call it out um, maybe when you see it, right? Which maybe sounds different, but I think that when you um, go into having a hard conversation like that and you do it when tensions are already high, a lot of times the other person might just see that as you making excuses or criticizing in the moment, right? Be attacking them in some right. ways. Exactly. And so I think that the better way to do it is to, when everything's kind of calmer and you're, there's not really an argument at hand, I think that's a better way of saying, you know, something's been on my mind, right? Um, That way you're not pointing out this specific example, Uh, which kind of leads me to my second tip is I don't love using specific examples when you're in, when you're calling someone out for behavior, right? Mm. Because I think that that, it starts getting really listy and it starts getting again, really attacking, right? Well, you did this, 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 and there's that other time and then this time, and then their walls are going up because yeah. you just told them 18 things that you hate about that. And so mm-hmm. um, I think sticking to feeling is always going to be more lasting than sticking to the content of an argument, right? So when, you know, I've been feeling this way, right, is a more, I think, more helpful than being like, you did this and you did that. Um, This is a behavior that I've noticed. Um, And I mean, of course, you're allowed to call out the behavior, right, because then they won't know what you're talking about. But, um, and so you're allowed to call out the behavior for what it is, but maybe saying like, I know that this isn't how you want me to feel, but this is how Mm -hmm. I'm feeling when this behavior is like, you know, happening. Um, it's the difference between impact and intention, right? Like the intention sure. might have been different, but the impact feels sure. on a different planet. Yeah. Sure, sure. And so I think coming at it from that might be more helpful. I, love I think that. always using feeling words over content is really important. Mm. That's really interesting. And um, it definitely leads me to think about boundary setting and and how you work with your clients, especially um, sounds like you work with young people and maybe young women. Yeah. How do you navigate really helping your clients to set boundaries um, and really empowering them in their own life? Have those yeah. conversations. I love the boundary setting session. <laughs> um, I think they're so important and they're so tangible too, right? I think right. people think about boundaries, they think that they're so harsh and so like they're they're mean, right? Mm-hmm. And but they don't have to be. I think that they can be really subtle. Um, two kind of boundaries that I like to to help my clients engage in are like time boundaries and space boundaries. So a time boundary could look like um, if you have a friend who's, you know, really draining or they're really negative when you have a phone call and it's going to last, you know, it's going to last like 45 minutes and it's going to be really draining for you. So maybe if you were to say, you know, I have 15 minutes to talk, like let's talk, but you, you've set a time cap on it. And Mm -hmm. so that's a really good, really subtle way to set that boundary for yourself. Um, I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. There's also different kind of space boundaries. So if you value, you know, your home space and you don't want people that you, you know, don't want in your space um, there, then only hanging out at at a restaurant or at their house Mm -hmm. or whatever, or if that means that you always drive yourself somewhere so that if, when you feel uncomfortable, you can leave, right? Mm-hmm. Things like that are like space mm-hmm. kind of boundaries. I think that those can be really subtle. 
But I think what's really important about boundaries is understanding that they're yours and that other people Mm -hmm. are not bound by them. It is your responsibility to stick to your boundary. It's not the other person's responsibility to stick to your boundary. That makes sense. And so (laughs) I love that distinction because it's, again, it gives you the reins, right? Because someone is going to violate your boundaries, even if you say, I have only 15 minutes, you know, how are you going to be able to excuse yourself in those moments? Yeah. And so every time you're like, okay, well, I can push it to 20. Mm. You've just haven't respected your boundary. It's not about them. Right. If it was about them, it would be like an ultimatum. It wouldn't be a boundary. And so, and that's like the biggest like rule that I have when yeah. I talk about boundaries is that making sure that you're sticking to yours because no one else is going to unless you yeah. yeah that had me thinking of triggers and insecurities mm. so mm. I think those go in tandem a lot of the times yeah. I have like three core insecurities that like come to mind so very much and when there is a disagreement it's typically because one of my vulnerabilities or insecurities was triggered Mm-hmm. And of course, the vast majority of the time, the intention, the impact was so right. different. Mm-hmm. How can you go about those conversations where obviously the person is trying to be respectful, but to the foreign eye, it may not even look like a violation of a boundary. From the mm-hmm. foreign eye, it may look like a simple comment. But for me in my personal world where I'm actively working through an insecurity, you know, I may not want to tell every single person my deepest, <laughs> my darkest, <laughs> yeah. Um, embarrassing insecurity are there there ways to navigate around that 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 evolution of an insecurity right where it might be violated but not intentionally and not because they're not being respectful of you yeah yeah yeah. I think that becomes a you thing though yeah Uh, I think that becomes a you having to tell yourself um okay what was their intention right Mm -hmm. and it's a it's a talking it down to yourself of Ooh, I just had a really big reaction to that. Where did that land for me? Okay, I know that I'm actively working on that. So I'm just going to like put that aside for a second, finish this conversation, and then I can go back to reflecting on that, right? I think that that becomes an inner work thing Mm -hmm. and not necessarily something that you have to trust every single person to to deal with with you, right? Because they're not going to, yeah. Right, and it it has to come for you. It's not going to hit the same, so um a good for good first step is recognizing your trigger right and then um I like to ask myself like okay what was their intention of that it probably wasn't criminal um (laughs) let me (laughs) let me take a second for myself identify that trigger for myself identify you know where it's hitting remind myself that I am actively working on it right right and that and that's how you that's how you change that's how how you heal right yeah you just changed how much power that trigger has for you every single time you do that and eventually it doesn't become that big of a trigger Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. it becomes like a oh yeah I used to do that and now I'm doing this instead and so now I'm good right it just becomes second nature but you've had all this time for that to become a trigger so it's gonna take yeah a lot of time for it to dissipate and that's okay yeah I love how you're giving yourself that grace. Amanda was helping me out last night when I was triggered. Oh. And it was, like, it was beautiful. Like, it was so perfect because I realized in the moment, I actively realized that like, this is an entirely a me issue. Mm-hmm. And everyone around me is saying the right things. And I know it's just going to take a little bit of time for me to not get over it because it's something I'm actually working on. And I still mm-hmm. want to validate the experience. But mm-hmm. I was able to say, hey, I 
I understand that this is something that I need to work on, but it is mm-hmm. helpful for me to articulate it because I am a verbal processor. And I think sure. it takes a little bit of the weight off when I say, mm-hmm. hey, I'm feeling a little insecure about this. And I, I know that the ultimate goal or the end goal or the why is more important than my insecurity, but I have to like let it out to some extent because yes. heaviness was like weighing me down of like holding it in. Is yes. that something that you see in your clients often where they're like holding on to something yes. and then, like when they release it it's like oh my gosh my shoulders can soften <laughs> yeah 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 which I feel like we do in therapy yeah right? yeah when they tell me things but that's one way but I think other ways are just journaling it or even just mm-hmm. saying it out loud right mm-hmm. I think when you like define your demon you can call it by name and so you yeah. can do that each time and so unless you've defined what the insecurity is it's going to be so elusive to you every time you're feeling that that yeah. big feeling you're like what is that right and so you yeah. need to be able to call it out and sometimes even just saying it out loud to yourself like oh that's I'm feeling not confident right now that's mm-hmm. what that is mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. then you go into figuring out why and how and how to move forward from it but I think I think you're right I think calling it out for yourself is really important even if you just do it to yourself out loud love that yeah that's so interesting and it makes me think though like of the space between feeling the emotion and being able to call it out. Yeah. Mm. You know, and I I think that there's a lot of like that's where the work comes in really is being able to recognize it and pause and and call it out or journal or mm-hmm. reflect on it. Mm-hmm. Do you have any tips for like strengthening that muscle? Like in especially if someone is reactive um yeah what are some tips for really being able to like pause, call it out, pause, mm-hmm. reflect, pause, journal? Yeah, it's patience with yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Giving yourself grace to do that because mm-hmm. it's not going to happen overnight. And it's mm-hmm. going to seem so silly to be like, what am I feeling right now? But like, <laughs> that's what you have to do, you know? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what you have to do. And so I have a feeling word like wheel that's what it is a feeling wheel that I love to use um, that I give my clients to use and um there are emotion sensation wheels that are kind of what you're talking about when you feel the emotion like you feel your heart racing what is that right um and then there's there's making yourself feel safe first and foremost so if that means if you're um having an anxiety attack you're having a panic attack um, and your body is freaking out. And so you can't go into what am I feeling? Because what you're feeling is like you're dying. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, doing things like cooling your hands with ice or sour candy in your mouth, those things like ground you instantly. And yeah. then you can work into what was that? What was I feeling just then? Asking yourself that question. I love that. I've never heard that before, the cooling of the hands. Yeah. So if you go and you take – so when you're in your fight, flight, or freeze mode, your body is like – your blood's pumping, your body's freaking out. So um, holding onto ice immediately cools it. Um, And sour candy in your mouth kind of clears your frontal lobe and grounds you instantly because your body is like, wow, there's something more pressing in my mouth happening. I need to address that before Mm -hmm. anything else. And so um, those are really, those are two really physical grounding exercises that you can do to. As I go on Amazon and buy sour (laughs) (laughs) I've had to email a couple parents to be like, truthfully, your kid needs 
um like sour patch kids but yeah, they're not so making funny. that up <laughs> that's so yeah, funny oh, yeah it's great <laughs> that I like a lot, so. therapist told me to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things I wanted to talk about was this um healing wheel or emotional that you're talking about because yeah. I've referenced this and like in the very center they're the basic emotions like mad sad scared sure. joyful um peaceful, powerful. However, a lot of times we can group our emotions into these categories. I'm sad. Are you actually sad or are you feeling defeated? Are you feeling insecure? Mm. Are you feeling um, less than? What is the emotion that's a little bit deeper? And I think tell me more can be helpful. Like when I have clients who are like, oh, he really angered me. I'm like, how so? Like, what did that look like? And it wasn't actual anger. It was jealousy or it was um, a lack of understanding and it, it could manifest as anger. Are there sure. ways in which we can kind of get to the root of the emotion more so than just like labeling it fear, anger, sadness? Yeah. 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 Um, I, I think it's just like you said, like it's, it's, it's looking at the wheel sometimes yeah. and sometimes it's asking ourselves like, um, what does that look like? Is a good question. Mm-hmm. Or when did you feel that before? Ooh, I like that. Right? When did you feel that before? What does this remind you of? So this feeling you're having right now, like when have you felt that before? And what do those two things have in common? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that can kind of point out an insecurity really quickly, or that can kind of point out um, I didn't feel good enough really quickly or whatever it is. Um, I think comparing because you're going to have the same feelings across the board, like throughout your life, totally. right? It's going to be in different contexts. You're going to, you know, you're, you're going to feel misunderstood more than once in your life. And so um, figuring out what situations kind of put you in that place or what it reminds you of is really important. I think. Mm, that was helpful. Great. So interesting. Okay. And kind of switching gears a little bit here, but um, <laughs> I wanted to hear about your self-care and, you know, how do you find balance in your life, you know, as we're picking your brain and asking you for mm-hmm. advice, I'm sure um, that must be draining. And so what does that look like for you in your personal life? And and how would you advise fellow psychotherapists to take care of themselves? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I talk about self-care so often in sessions too. I think there's more than one way to self care. Obvious, there's more than one way to self care, but I think that there's like almost like two categories of it. There's like the I call it like there's like Instagram self care, right? Where you're, <laughs> you're taking baths and you're going on the spot, mm-hmm. right? There's like all those kinds of things. Great, not knocking that whatsoever. Um, but I also think that self care can the I think like deeper self care can look like boundary setting right it can look like saying no to something Mm -hmm. it can look like taking space for yourself and so um I think a combination of those things so if I've had a really draining day and I don't want to go to that thing I'm going to say no to that and that's going to be how I just self-cared you know what I mean Mm -hmm. um if I you know if we're talking about clients at the end of the day and I just I don't have the space for it me just leaving that conversation can look like self-care and so those things I think are kind of more elusive ones um you know if you need to drive up the mountain and listen to Usher that's what I do <laughs> I mean that's great self-care too you know whatever that looks like for you. I love you get granular that's that's really nice um that's my favorite. yeah 
we talk about beauty routines all the time too. Are there any like beauty or skincare? Your skin is glowing. Your hair is glowing. I mean, <laughs> just something. It all off. Yeah, I was gonna say it looks so healthy. I think you got it cut. I did. I got like so much cut. Oh, it's so short. It looks amazing. Yeah. Any any tips that you're willing to share there? Because I, I'm I've got pen ready. I got a pen ready. <laughs> oh my gosh! Stop. I um I always like the first thing I do when I get home is I like take a like I like take a shower like that's like Love that. the, before I even like sit on my couch I will <laughs> lay on the floor and just take a second lay on the floor and then I will go take a shower and then I'll like do anything else so even if we're like watching the bachelor at eight I'll be like I need 20 minutes I'll be 20 minutes late to that because I need yeah. to take, I need to wash first <laughs> totally just to get into comfy clothes and just be comfortable. I think that's my, I don't know about the beauty mm. routine, but that's what I do. No, I love that. That's, helpful. <laughs> that's really interesting too, though, because like, I wonder, I mean, I've, I've heard of like shower meditations and stuff too, but I'm sure Ooh. it feels like energetically mm-hmm. refreshing too. Like not yeah. just, um, I feel like it's a good distinction too, because I do telehealth and I do in person. And so, um, especially for when I'm working at Heal, that's all telehealth. I it's important to like have that and now the day is done kind of a moment and so after I'll work until it's shower time and then (laughs) once I've done that I'm not working anymore so I'm not doing any more notes I'm not writing any more emails I'm not doing anything like I'm done and so if there's something that I think of that I need to do I'll like write it in my notes app and I'll assign it a day and a time when I plan the next morning but like I'm I'm like done and I think that that is such good self-care love that um and I'm like proud of myself for being able to do that's huge it's really hard for for other people to make that boundary of like I'm not emailing any more people I'm not you know I'm, I'm done for the day but I think that that's really important so yeah I love that especially for um so many of us who are working from home now those lines are super blurry and I'm sure you hear that a lot with your oh yeah 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 working friends hard yeah Yeah. absolutely the last thing I wanted to ask you about too before we dive into our guided curiosity was about your Instagram you have such a beautiful aesthetic you put so much time and energy into it you're so creative you're so funny oh my gosh like please give her a follow like I will attach and link everything so you can see it yeah thank you blown away can you give me a little bit of an update there like what does this vision look like how does it bring it to life what is your inspiration Absolutely. So I knew that I wanted, obviously, to start one because there's like, you know, there's different content, there's different, I have a perspective. And I think that when we're talking about finding a therapist, right, when you just look at psychology today, you're just seeing one face and one paragraph. And that's really hard. And my first inclination to do anything is to find them on Insta. So I was like, I need to make mine (laughs) seem like whatever. But a lot of the ones that I've found have been really like, um like really graphic heavy right Uh, there's a lot and those are great and I love those um but I kind of wanted mine to just be more like aesthetic and something that you'd want to follow regardless of if you were in therapy or not right Right. and so that was kind of my vision for it I guess mission accomplished Um, (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much I just wanted it to be pretty and informative that's the move (laughs) amazing amazing 
Thanks. Well, we have enjoyed this conversation so much. Me too. I feel like I could talk to you for hours more. <laughs> I am a huge therapy advocate, so would yes. love to have you back on one day. Um, but we always like to end our podcast with what we call guided curiosity, which is, you know, homework for our listeners who are inspired by your conversation. So do you have a suggestion for our listeners? Yeah. Um, I think that when we were talking about, you know, self-care, I think my favorite homework, I love giving homework out to my clients too. I try to call them focuses so it doesn't sound like homework, but you know, <laughs> homework. Um, I really like to tell them to, to do two things. So the first thing is to just not even change their self-talk, but really just to pay attention to their self-talk, mm-hmm. right? I think that's a really good indication of how you're actually doing. Um, am I being mean to myself every time I've dropped my pencil or is right? Like, and so just even just paying attention to your self-talk, I think mm-hmm. is really important. So I think that's a really good homework. The other thing that I think is really great to do is to check in with yourself every night. That doesn't mean you need to journal every night or to do, you know, whatever. I think that just checking in to be like, what did I do well today? Mm-hmm. Um, how did today go? Because I think it's so easy for us to look back on a week and either forget what even happened mm-hmm. or be like, wow, that was so terrible because you had yeah. like, a really bad Tuesday or something. Yeah. Um, totally. And then you assign that for the whole week. So, but if you do it, if you create a memory for yourself every single night of what you did well, then your your weeks, your days, your months don't look as bad. Does that make sense? Totally. Because you've created a memory of it actually being okay. And so I think self-talking and checking out with yourself in life. I think that can build your confidence too over time, like acknowledging like, wow, today was really tough. I had X, Y, and Z, but you know what? I overcame it. I had this conversation. I was able to get outside. You know, you're able to prove to yourself that you can do hard things. And that is what my motivation is when I work with members and clients is giving them the foresight to know that they can do difficult things. Like you've done it before. You can do it again. And to constantly push the boundary of like, what is comfort look like because if we stay mm. in our comfort zone all the time limiting our, our potential we're limiting ourselves yeah. and so yeah. if you highlight the things that you do well you're building up your confidence slowly but surely so I yeah. love that practice that's good yeah thank you for absolutely sharing. yeah you are <laughs> such a light such a joy. this has been so fun you're I want so you on and on and on again part two is three like I do yes <laughs> absolutely yeah we should do like a series different Ooh, topics or something I loved this so much and yeah so fun. yeah thank you for everything you do and for having this conversation to um you know hopefully inspire yes. people to go to therapy I had a blast thanks for having me it was so fun thank of course you. thanks Shannon Thank you for listening to today's live chat on Confidently Curious. If you are interested for more information and updates, please follow us at Confidently Curious Pod on Instagram, personally at You Are in Bloom. And please follow and support my lovely co host, Amanda January, at Amanda January Method on Instagram. As always, we welcome comments, feedbacks, and suggestions on our Instagram. We look forward to connecting with you soon. Thanks, lovelies.